This morning, we're going to look at one of my favorite um, characters within the Christmas story, Zachariah. Zachariah was the husband of Elizabeth and was the father of John the Baptist. This morning, we're going to walk through a prophetic declaration made by Zechariah about the Messiah as well as about his son, John. Last week, Bill walked us through Isaiah chapter 9, and we looked at verses 1 through 7. This is a great section of Scripture. Um, for, for those of old, it was a hopeful passage of Scripture for that glorious day when Jesus would burst into human history. This morning, <clears throat> we're going to look at the light of peace. One thing is for sure. When Jesus came, the world was far from a place of peace. Most of us would agree that the world we live in today is also far from being a place of peace. Right after Isaiah declared how dark the world was, he prophesied of the dawning of a new day. Then Isaiah 9, 6, we read, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For 700 years, the people lived in anticipation of that day when Jesus would come and dwell among us. Then on that fateful night in the city of Bethlehem, the angel of the Lord appeared to those shepherds tending their sheep and declared that the Savior, Christ the Lord, had been born. That night sky lit up and a multitude of angels declared glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Again, when you think about peace, does it look like peace has come? Was Isaiah wrong? Were the multitude of angels wrong? Of course not. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And he did come to bring about peace, just not the kind of peace the world was expecting. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And as Zechariah will declare this morning, our message point is, with the coming of the Messiah, comes the dawning of a new day. In a world that was thrust into darkness, the promise Zechariah received from the Lord was life-changing for him, it was life-changing for the nation of Israel, and it is life-changing for all of us in this room. First, let's look at Zechariah, a man of God. So let's look beginning in verse 5. In the days of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear 
fell upon him. When you think about John the Baptist, you think about a significant birth in human history, right? With his birth came the promise that the Messiah would be born. In the closing pages of the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi wrote, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. This passage of Scripture was a promise to the people of Israel that before the Messiah would come, a forerunner would come preaching a message of repentance, preaching a message of hope. That forerunner was John the Baptist, and his message was very simple, right? You remember what his message was? It was simply, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. The word of Malachi was given to the people as a promise, a promise that would not be fulfilled for some 400 years. That is the time frame from the closing of the Old Testament pages until the New Testament begins. Not only was there a gap of 400 years between the two testaments, but this 400-year period would be a period of silence between God and the people of Israel. For 400 years, the people of Israel did not hear the voice of the Lord. There was no new revelation. There was no prophecy, no word, no angelic encounters, nothing. You know, some of you know what it's like to experience silence in, in, in your relationship with other people, right? Um, maybe it's because of a, a strained relationship that you might have with a kid or with a parent or a sibling or, or, or someone else. And this time of year makes that incredibly more difficult because you want to gather around the table with your family and friends, but because of that, that strained relationship, you're not given that opportunity. There's utter silence. Now, magnify that by, by, by looking at this passage of Scripture and we think about for 400 years, there was absolutely no voice from God on high to the people. They had God's word. They had God's revelation, but they didn't have a prophet. They didn't have someone that was, that was looking over them in the same sense that, that you and I do in the person of Christ. Notice next. Notice Zechariah's prayer. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So Zechariah, again, was a priest of the Lord. He was one of the 24 different divisions of priests in Israel. Each of these divisions took a turn serving the Lord for a week each year. There would have been thousands of priests, and only one at a time would have the honor of entering into the temple to offer up prayers and to, to, to burn the incense. To have been chosen to go would have been a once-in-a-lifetime privilege. And Scripture tells us that Zechariah was chosen. 
And he enters the temple, and he has a supernatural encounter with the Lord. One of the things that, that always puts a smile on my face when I read this passage of Scripture is in verse 11, we read that Zechariah was troubled. I love that. Of course he was troubled. For 400 years, nobody had had an encounter with, with God the Father or, or, or even an angelic being. And here Zechariah is in the presence of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord comes down and has a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him. I'd probably be a little bit troubled myself, wouldn't you? Understand, Zechariah heard from the Lord even before Mary and Joseph heard from the Lord. Zechariah is troubled and fearful. The angel comforts him by saying his prayers had been heard. How amazing is that? Here's Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're advanced in years, um, they're unable to have children. Elizabeth is barren. Zechariah is old. And Scripture says that, that the angel of the Lord tells them that his prayers had been heard. And, and you would think at that moment that Zechariah would just worship the Lord and give thanks to the Lord, but that's not what he does. He actually questions how this would be possible. And because of that, Zechariah would become a, a man that was silenced because of his questioning of the Lord. And let's look at verses 18 through 25. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Then the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Then the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Now again, think about Zechariah. Zechariah doubted the Lord and did not believe in the word of the Lord. And instead of being overjoyed with the gift that was awaiting him, he wanted a sign from the Lord. I think we find ourselves a lot of times like, like Zechariah, where we hear, hear the Lord speak to us and our first reaction is, Lord, how will I know that this is going to happen? I need a sign from you. Yeah, I remember... Um, you know, whenever I was, um, you know, kind of younger um, and, you know, praying about who I was going to marry, I always prayed that the Lord would hit me upside the head with the two by four and reveal to me who I was going to marry. And why was that? Because I wanted a sign from, from the Lord. Now, I got that two by four hit whenever, whenever Danny and I officially started, started dating, but I needed that sign. Well, Zachariah thinks that he needs a sign. Well, you know what sign that he got? He would become mute until nine or eight days after John was born. On the eighth day was whenever um, the, the, the son would be dedicated and circumcised, and at that moment he would receive a sign. You know, how many of you in this room do silence well? 
Anybody? Okay, a couple people in here. Um, I remember growing up, I had what my, my family would call a talking problem. Um, my teachers would say I had a talking problem, and, and, and I just wouldn't be quiet. Um, I remember we'd be driving down the road or we'd be at home, and, and one of the people in the car, whether a sibling or, or my parents, would say, if you would just shut up for 10 minutes, we'll give you a dollar. Well, I don't think I ever received a dollar from them. Well, Zachariah, he would go from being able to speak to being mute just like that. And when Zachariah's tongue was loosened, we read these incredible words of prophecy that he would share with, with others. So let's look here at our fourth point, Zechariah, a man of prophecy. In verse 67, we read, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Remember, Zechariah was a priest of the Lord, but now he is making a prophetic declaration. These words came from an overflowing heart. These words came from God the Father. These words came because Zechariah had spent much time in the presence of the Lord. And notice what he declared to the people about Jesus. First of all, he makes it clear that Jesus redeems. In verse 68, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he visited and redeemed his people. So Zechariah is telling the people here that the Lord was not coming just to check on his people. He did not come just to say hello for a couple of days like, like some of your family members are going to come in at Christmas or they came in at Thanksgiving. They gathered around the table. They may have slept a night or two in your household. Y'all had great fellowship and then they left, right? That's not what Jesus did. When he came, he came and he dwelt among us. He came to dwell among us, and for the believer, he came to take up residence within us. He came to redeem us, and next he came to save us. In verses 69 through 71, we read, and he and, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies, and from the hand of all who hate us. Jesus here is described as a horn of salvation. When you think about a horn, what do you think about? You know, I, I think about big game. You know, I know some of our men in our church, you know, they're, they're, they're big game hunters. They've hunted moose and rams and deers and buffalo and all these animals that have these great big horns. You know, these horns um, demonstrate power, don't they? They're intimidating. And if you get hit by one of those things, you're going to be, it's going to be lights out for you, isn't it? Excuse me. It's going to be lights out for you. Those animals are powerful and can kill you with one blow. Here we are told that God has raised up a horn of salvation. A powerful Savior has come to save us and to redeem us and to provide a way for us to enter into the very presence of God the Father. You and I once stood condemned and separated and hopeless before God. But because of the work of Christ on the cross, all of us are able to stand today as saved men and women and children of our holy God. Christ came to redeem us and he came to save us. And he came to show us that he indeed is merciful. Notice verses 72 and 73. To show the mercy promised to our fathers. And to remember his holy covenant. The oath 
that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us. That promise was given and can be traced back all the way to Genesis 3.15. After God reveals the penalty to Adam and Eve for the consequences of their sin, he also condemns and curses the devil on that day. In Genesis 3.15 we read, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This verse is called the Proto-Evangelium or the first gospel. It is a promise that Jesus would come and that he would come to destroy the work of the devil. And Zechariah tells us it was a promise that was made to our fathers. It was a promise that was made to Adam and Eve. It was a promise that was made to, to, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it was a promise that was made to all mankind. And Zechariah also prophesies of Jesus' rescue mission. In verses 74 through 75, we read that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. In verse 74, we were reminded that God's salvation for us was a rescue mission. Jesus came down and dwelt among us. The creator of the universe left heaven full of all of its glory, and he came and dwelt among us. In John 1.14, we read, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. How many of you like to read um, uh, of a good rescue mission? Maybe um, you like to read it in a book. Maybe you like to read it in the news or, or watch a movie. I like a good rescue mission, because, especially a real-life event one, because it shows the story of, of people that are trapped in darkness. And especially when you think about um, a, 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 the rescue of someone that's trapped in a mine or in a cave. I mean, they're in utter darkness. And, 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 and eventually, these rescuers will break through that darkness, and there will be a ray of light that will come upon them. That's exactly what happened when Jesus came and dwelt among us. The world was in darkness, and there was a ray of hope that came to all of those of old and all of us in this room and every future generation of people that will be after us. Next, we see here that Zechariah will transition from prophesying about the work of Jesus within our lives to prophesying about the mission that his son John would be on. So notice it would be a mission proclaiming the need for forgiveness. In verses 76 and 77, we read, and you, will, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. John would preach a simple message, wouldn't he? There was nothing elaborate about his message. It wasn't a, a sermon full of three points and a, and a poem and a riddle somewhere in it. It wasn't a message that was, that was 30 minutes or 60 minutes or an hour and a half long or even 10 minutes long. He preached a message that called people from darkness to light. He preached a message that called people to repent of their sins and to prepare 
their hearts for the coming of the Messiah. The very message John preached is the message you and I, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, should be preaching ourselves. We should be preaching the message of repenting, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Finally, John's message was one of peace. In verses 78 and 79 we read, Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. What great news this is. The sunrise shall visit us from on high. A new day was dawning for all of those who lived in darkness. You know what the sun does? Man, the sun guides our path, doesn't it? The sun warms us up after a cold night. The sun requires the darkness to give way to its light. That's what the S-U-N does. Well, the S-O-N does the same thing, the sun. Here, Zechariah is prophesying that his son, John, would help bring the light of Christ to those living in darkness. He would help to lead people to experience the peace of Christ, a peace that we know that passes all understanding. DeWitt Thomas shared the following story. He said, I read that near the North Pole, the dark night lasts for months and months at a time. When the people expect the day is about to dawn, some messengers go up on the highest point to watch. And when they see that first streak of daylight, they put on their brightest possible apparel and embrace each other and cry, Behold the sun. And that cry goes out through all of the land, Behold the sun. On that first Christmas morning, the sun began to shine in Bethlehem. And from that sunrise, the light of Christ still shines today. The light from the manger has encircled the world, setting free those who sat in darkness and giving way to the hope for those to find their way in Christ. Has the light of Christ shined in your heart? Or are you still living in darkness? Think about those that you do life with. Does the light of Christ shine in their hearts? Just as the day of Jesus' arrival was the dawning of a new day, so it can be the dawning of a new day for all this morning. It's a great day to surrender one's life to Jesus. It's a great day to recommit one's life to Jesus. It's a great day to be the light of Jesus to those who are in need of experiencing salvation. The last verse of, that I want us to look at this morning is Luke 180, and it is this. And the child grew, speaking of John, and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Let us be strong in the Lord. And let us grow in our relationship with the Lord. Just as John did and just as those that we read about in Scripture did. Let's grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's be a light of Christ within this 
dark world. You know, I don't know what decision you need to make this morning, but I'm going to be standing here at the front. If there's a decision you need to make, I want to invite you to come. Let's stand together. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you this morning. Father, just thanking you, Lord Jesus, for coming and dwelling among us. Thanking you, Lord Jesus, for bursting into human history to provide a light to all of us that once were living in darkness. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for providing us with the opportunity, Lord Jesus, to be your hands and feet and enabling us to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that still are living in darkness. Help us, Lord Jesus, just to, to, to be the instruments that you created us to be the ambassadors that you set us apart to be. Father, I pray this morning if there's someone in this room, Lord Jesus, that, that needs prayer, that they'll come. I'd love to pray with them or that they'll go to somebody in this room and just say, hey, I need you to pray for me today. There may be somebody in this room this morning that has yet to receive you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that today will be the day of their salvation. Today will be the day that they repent of their sins. Today will be the day, Lord Jesus, that they stop living in darkness and, and, and experience the sun for the very first time. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will move now during this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.